This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 281, and tonight, the everyday is Halloween fundraiser marches on to its inevitable conclusion. La la la, just two more shows to go after this, but tonight, I'm especially excited because I'm being joined by none other than the gay lords of darkness themselves, Stacey Ponder and Anthony Hudson. And they're here to talk about the 1978 made-for-TV stinker, Cruise Into Terror. And oh boy, this episode almost killed me. At least five different times, but we're going to get into that in a bit because we have some stuff to talk about. We need to talk about what are we doing here. Well, what is this everyday's Halloween business? Well, here's the thing, everybody. Homelessness among the LGBT youth population, you know, kids under 21, it's at an epidemic proportion and it's only getting worse. And the government doesn't care. They don't care. They've actually made laws. They've changed the laws that make it completely legal to discriminate against people looking for services like this. To discriminate on the basis of sexual identity. Uh, of a sexual orientation, of gender identity, of sex, and by religion, it's totally okay to say no to people now because of who they like, who they, who they want to be, and that's not okay, and that's not okay. So it's up to organizations, smaller organizations working outside the systems like New Alternatives, and that's who we're raising money for. It's an organization here in New York City that dedicates itself to getting homeless LGBT youth off the streets, not just for tonight. But for good, by setting up not just housing, but food, medical programs, job training, getting your degree, you name it, they've got it. They want to be the fabulous person that you were destined to be. And that's what I want for them too. And hopefully you do too, and that's why we're raising money. So we have some people to thank. First off, uh, we've got Carly McCutcheon. Carly McCutcheon, who designed the new Scream Queens logo. She donated $25. Thank you, Carly. That's awesome. And also, we've got Scott Moore. Scott Moore also donated, oh, sorry, $50 to Scott Moore. I was going to say, okay, yeah, so thank you, Scott. That's a big one. It's a nice, big, juicy chunk, Scott Moore. And he says, because of the tireless podcasting of Patrick, I'm donating. In other words, Patrick, shut the fuck up already and go back to the regular show. I hear you. I hear you. Soon, soon, soon. We're almost done. But thank you, Scott, for your $50 donation. And over on Facebook, please hold while I smooth change gears oh so effortlessly. La, 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 la. Uh, Helen Gunning donated $50. Thank you, Helen. John DeRoss donated $25. And Michelle Gunning donated $25. Michelle and Helen Gunning. So it's Gunning versus Gunning? Do you guys know each other? Should we have a fight? Because Helen's winning right now. She donated more than you did. Anyway, never mind. You're all fabulous. Thank you very much. So... I haven't done this in a while, I realized. Uh, the grand total of donations, we've got a goal set for $4,000. We've had tons of hurdles getting this darn fundraiser going and moving and everything. And we've had lots of things. And stretching it out to six weeks was the worst idea possible. But we're doing it. And here we are. And the grand total that we have right now, 
$2,885. Yay! We're not really not doing, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good for all the problems that we've had. We're doing damn fine. Yes. Yes, sir, Bob. And I'm proud of you all, but we've got miles to go before we sleep, everybody. Miles to go before we sleep. And so, to pull on your heartstrings a little bit, I'm going to play some audio from a video called Kicked Out. Just the first five minutes. Maybe we'll play some more later. But just get you inside the head of what's going on for these kids. And you're going to listen to the stories. We're going to be hearing from two young people. The first one is someone who was kicked out of their, had to leave home and has been through the system and is now on the other side, stable, got a home, got a job and everything, and is now helping other kids through this process as well. And the other one is someone who is now slapped in the middle of it. So please, as I always say, don't hit fast forward. Don't skip this. Just take a listen. Open your ears, open your hearts. And ultimately, if you haven't already, please open your wallets. Let's take a listen to Kicked Out. LGBT youth are kicked out of their homes by their families at alarming rates. Up to 40% of homeless youth identify as LGBT. And one in four LGBT teens are kicked out after coming out. The LGBT community has historically and continually systematically ignored queer youth homelessness. You know, it's not as sexy as marriage equality. It doesn't have good sound bites like don't ask, don't tell. It's not been an issue that has risen to the level of other things that we see as important. My mother and I had a really complicated relationship. She's an alcoholic, has a lot of her own issues. So growing up was kind of this constant battle of trying to understand what was going on for her. That really only compounded further once, once I came out. The violence intensified pretty quickly. I and mean, within a couple of months, I was out of the house. I knew that if I left, that she would hunt me down and bring me back and that I, I wouldn't have a chance to run ever again. And so I waited until I had enough bruises that I thought they would do something. Uh, and I went um, to the sheriff's station in my county and she was arrested that night. I was too old really for them to think I should be put in the foster care system. It was too much work to have me emancipated. It was much easier just to sort of let me go and assume that, you know, I was an honor roll student, I'd somehow be okay. That was the first time that I felt completely alone. I had no idea where I was going to go. I had no idea where I was gonna sleep, how I was gonna get to school the next day. And it was, I was pretty profoundly lost. LGBTQ youth homelessness really happens in every community. And yet, this is something that so few people are talking about. Away from the media spotlight, organizations like the Knight Ministry provide food, necessities, and overnight emergency shelter. If a youth is on the streets, and especially if because they're GLBT or questioning, it uh, has a whole other dynamic uh, to their experience of homelessness. We have a philosophy of meeting people where they're at. We're learning their names. We get to know people, build trust over time, and hear from them what they want to work on. We actually need these programs because these are places for us to go. For some people, if they can't get into the crib, for them to go shower or for them to eat. 
I'm thankful to live another day. I'm thankful to see everybody once again. I'm thankful for working with the crib. I'm thankful for having another day on this earth. Thank you for my brother. See him for another day. I just want to see everybody in my family. Again, I am grateful and always thankful for the crib being open, of course, for all of us who are a family because we all stick together. We all try and take care of one another as best we can. There are absolutely horrendous instances when kids come out and are immediately kicked out of the homes. And at other times, parents are trying to mold their child back into this image that they had of who they were going to be or what they were going to look like. And in doing that, are inherently rejecting who their child is. My father was very abusive. He was an alcoholic. Him telling me, you're going to ever be a homosexual. I'm going to break your neck if you turn out to be this, that, and other. It scared me. So I started running away. I went back home one day, and he just beat me up. He really beat me up bad. My lip was busted. My eye was black, everything. I knew at 16, that's, it was over for staying with him. I told him to his face. I hated him. I didn't want to be like him. I didn't want to be around him. The message I have to those parents that don't know what to do is to sit back and actually ask your child, is it that they're actually going through? Take the time out and actually sit back and talk with them and try to get an understanding. And a little understanding goes a long way. It really does because this whole epidemic exposes a lot about who we are and it's not pretty to look at. It's like what they said in the video, this whole topic, it's not sexy, it's not glamorous, and it's ugly. It's an ugly situation to look at, and it's an ugly situation when you hold a mirror up and take a look at yourself. I mean, kids being thrown up by their parents, parents turning against their children. It's not normal. It's not natural, and it's not okay. I remember a note I got from Carly, Carly McCutcheon, last year. She's saying how horrified she was hearing these stories and how she couldn't imagine doing that to her own kids. But it happens, and it's happening all the time, and it's happening more and more. And it's getting harder and harder for these kids on the streets to, to get the help that they desperately, desperately need. And that is why, that is why every episode of Scream Queens from now until the big balls start dropping in Times Square, the horror on Scream Queens will be gayer than ever. Oh yeah, it's the podcast where horror gets gay. It's getting gayer than ever because every show is featuring a new set of truly quintessential queens as my guest hosts. The cream of the crop of the horror homo scene right here every episode because it is going to take a miracle to get us anywhere near that $4,000 goal that I've set. But like I said last time, there is no magic that's stronger than Christmas magic, and nobody does Christmas magic better than a bunch of queens. Am I right? Of course I'm right. So please head on over to bit.ly slash sqpodna, that stands for Scream Queens Podcast New Alternatives, or if you prefer to work on Facebook, bit.ly slash sqpodfb, Scream Queens Podcast Facebook. Very easy to remember. Very easy to do, and those links are active in your show notes. So all you have to do is pause the show for a second, click on it, donate, done. You can feel better about yourself. You're helping the problem. You're helping everything. You're helping these kids directly, and 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 I don't know what better holiday present you can give somebody right now than a warm bed and a hot meal when it's so desperately, desperately needed. Okay, so before we get to the show, I mentioned earlier that putting this episode together killed me like numerous almost killed me a numerous amount of times okay first of all this was way 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 back I don't know if this was August or September or what but this is when I was still struggling with my new microphone and so minutes before this episode was supposed to 
Start recording. I futzed with a setting on the new microphone and all of my audio settings just went dead. Dead, dead, dead. I'm in panic mode trying to get anything working. And so I got it all working, got the Gaylords on, and could not connect them to Squadcast. Squadcast was still in beta right now. It still had some quirks that needed to be worked out. I could not get them to record. So it was a whole panic thing to try to get them in a place where I could record them. And I'm just in panic mode. I'm like, oh my God, there's superstars who I adore, and I'm completely making a jackass out of myself right now. But hey, we did it. It was fine. Except in the middle of the episode, the police showed up. Why? You'll find out. Oh yeah, I got raided by the popo in the middle of this interview. Uh-huh. All right. And then when it was all said and done and I sat down to edit, we had to record using Zencaster. And the audio is fine. The audio is fine. I got three separate tracks, one for each of us, just like Squadcast does. And I said, this will be a piece of cake, except unlike Squadcast, Anthony's track recorded at a different speed than the other two tracks. So it just kept getting more and more out of whack as the episode went on. And I had to go through several different editing editing trial and error situations, trying to get it lined up so that it all made sense. And it took days to put this, this, put this segment together. Could I have just asked them to re-record it? Yes, I could have, but I was so embarrassed to go back to them after the debacle that it had been that I didn't. Anyway, it's done. It's here. It's ready to go. And had we used Squadcast, none of this would have happened. Well, we tried. And Squadcast is better now. But just know, I bled for this episode. So you better goddamn well enjoy it. So sit back, relax, pack your bags, because we are going on a cruise, baby. Yeah, but we ain't going anyplace nice. We are going on a cruise into terror. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and my GN says, wherever you may be, may I present the gate lords of darkness themselves, Stacy Ponder and Anthony Hudson. What part of enthusiasm did you not understand? Who talks first? I'm like, I don't understand. I don't know what's happening. I realize, oh my God. You know, but that's the perfect introduction for you too because you are just like your show, unexpected. I loved all of that. That was great. <laughs> so. Wow. So we've had quite a time already. We've already had a cruise into terror and we haven't even started the show yet. Barely. My goodness. We had horrible problems getting together, but I'm so happy we're here now. It's Satan's curse. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Well, can we get like mirror Stacy to like ward off some of this? <laughs> <laughs> evil against evil. She welcomes it. She welcomes it. <laughs> but seriously, she's the source. She's been buried am- at the bottom of the ocean for a thousand years. She's just oh, stuffed well- in a little sarcophagus. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just waiting for someone to cut to the sarcophagus for a reaction shot. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but. In all seriousness, I'm so delighted you two are here because I adore your show. Well, thank you. With all of my heart. Because I'm laughing with you guys all the time, but then you pull out something like when you talked about high tension, Mm. where you just easily laid it on the line, why this is an important queer movie, and this is why the ending works, and if you don't get it, you're stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I was on the subway floored with your entire conversation with that. Oh, well, on that movie. Thank you. Floored. You know, as queer anarcho punk uh, 
nightmare monster trolls, we we try to always leave our listeners feeling assaulted. (laughs) (laughs) And it is like you guys, I'm just like beaten down. Then all of a sudden you like laid down truth when I'm just completely helpless and on the ground. It just soaks right into my wounds. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best way to do it. A nice place. So for those of you who are not familiar with the Gaylords of Darkness, could you please inform my audience what goes on over there? Who are you people? Oh, wow. Oh, boy. Stacey, how do we, how do you even, how do you even sum this one up? You want to take it? Uh, no, but I will. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, every week we just, uh, you know, look at horror or horror movies through a queer lens. So maybe it's a queer horror movie. Maybe it's not a queer horror movie, but we'll make it queer because Uh that's what our eyeballs see. Uh, it's, everybody says it's free form and our show has no structure, but that's been absolutely not true. (laughs) It's it's the same structure every single week. Every single week. (laughs) But you know what? You know what you guys have done? You know what you guys have done? For my entire existence, I have not been able to use the term queer. Yeah. In reference to myself. It's just how, you know, the environment I came out of, that's one of the words that makes the bile rise up in my throat and immediately go on the defensive, but I've been able to do it lately. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I same. I feel, I feel the same way. Yeah, we, yeah. Were, we were just talking about that. We were just talking uh-huh. about that. Um, but I feel that just for queer horror, like it's a nice umbrella term, but it's not how mm-hmm. I refer to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a member of the queer community, but I would never say like, oh, I'm queer. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I will probably never say that too, but I can call the community queer that I'm in. I've never been able to do that before. And you know, oh. I'm a. I can say I'm represent. I'm here representing queer hard. That's awesome for me. Yeah, awesome. That I can do. Yeah, and yeah. baby steps. I'm, I'm I'm turning fifty and I'm still coming out. How about that? And that's what it's. That's what the word is really becoming. Um, I think you know, for me, I'm only I'm a, a soft seventeen. Uh, so queer, queer <laughs> still falls within my identity. Um, but you know, Stay- <laughs> I, I, when I came out, it was gay was the, the, the term, you know, but the, the terms are always shifting and changing and queer seems to be the term that is most reflective of, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the one that's got violence behind it for me. So yeah. I just, <laughs> just it, for a long time, I've been able to just let it go. That's in the past. Well, and I believe then, I, this is now, bitch. I believe queer should appropriate and reenact violence in response to violence. Well, so. hello. I mean, I mean, Take- if it, if we weren't recording this in October, like we are right now, it would be LGBT revenge. Month, wouldn't it? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and oh, what a balm! What a balmy October day it is. Exactly. So yeah, we, we perfect day. We we love doing that. We love analyzing films from a queer lens. Uh, we also, I think it's also like we're kind of unofficially a women in horror podcast at the same time. Uh, well, good for that too, because that needs to be out there as well. And and you know, that's a great focus of where horror has been going lately as well. Yeah, we're really we're really here because I don't know. There's this movie. There's this movie. There's this movie that came out the. I don't know if you talked about it at all. Suspiria. I don't know if you heard about no, it. I haven't heard of it ever. <laughs> it's all they talk about. <laughs> we, we have done 16 episodes about Suspiria at this point. And <laughs> everything, all roads lead back to Suspiria. Yeah, and we have 16 True. more in the can. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we'll have to see how this one works out. And the movie we're talking about today is a made for TV movie from the fabulous year of 1978. And it's called Cruise into Terror. Now, there is a tradition here on Scream Queens. And since you are the guests, you have a job to do. Oh, no. And I think I'm going to fork it on Anthony. Oh, fuck. Because I think Stacy's going to do a really good job with it. Okay, Anthony, it is your job 
to give me a nice, tight, 30-second back-of-the-DVD cover plot summary of Cruise into Terror. The clock starts now! Cruise into Terror, a journey into the beyond. Uh, Cruise into Terror, which does not feature Charo nor the love boat, features a cruise ship slash boat that is charted to go to a certain part of Mexico, take some special fancy people along, including an archaeologist who is desperate to find out if the Egyptians really did leave this sarcophagus in Mexico. And time is up. No, I'm still going. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then something also happened, but I couldn't tell because of the coffee. Okay. Oh, <laughs> there's, lot, there's lots of swimming. There's lots of swimming. There's lots of swimming. There's, swimming. there's uh, lots of people talking. Uh, and there's some great mm-hmm. queens in it who I also love. Yes, there are. Now, we originally had talked about doing, I think, Satan's School for Girls. Is that what it, it doesn't really yeah. matter. I, I switched to this one because Anthony is a bit of a novice for the made-for-TV 1970s film. This is true. And for those, yeah, for the you old queens out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Anthony, shit stopped when these things came on. Everybody watched them. If you did not watch them the next day at school, you were out of there. And the thing is, these things were bonkers, always off the wall. It was always Satan, witches, cannibals, aliens coming and raping people. And it would be on like right after eight is enough. You'd segue right from that. <laughs> it's a complete bonkers. And it was family time. Still, it was, it was a great time. I mean, it really was all, all all horror subgenres were. I mean, I saw a lot of these way after the fact. Like, I didn't yeah. get to see them when it was like you know the Monday night movie or whatever. But it's just all subgenres were represented. Uh, you had major major stars, fantastic directors. Like they were, for all intents and purposes, horror movies. Just they didn't have the explicit gore and violence and nudity. And they were always like they they were always extremely conservative with monies and they were always shot in the same locations except for this one this is also why i picked it they're all shot at the same ranch (laughs) which is why all these like made for tv movie horror movies always seem to feature horseback riding for some reason but not this one there's no horseback riding on this cruise into terror (laughs) but i was watching this movie uh when i was first reintroducing myself to it because i did see it back in the day and it scared the hell out of me when i was eight i didn't really understand a lot of it and i could see the pictures but I was watching it going, wow, this movie really encapsulates, encapsulates rather, everything that was popular in pop culture in 1978. I mean, you got witches, you got Satan, always a classic, but Egyptology, mummies, sexy boat trips, you know, Love Boat was like on the top of the ratings and everything. Everybody loved a good Bermuda Triangle ship in danger movie. And I'm like, holy shit, the only thing that's missing from this movie is a shark. Oh, there's the shark. Okay, now it's got everything. <laughs> it did. Well, it was well done. By, it was produced by Aaron Spelling, so you know, first of all, it's going to be amazing. Oh, he, and, did, he did all of them. <laughs> yeah, and also it's going to be sexy. Like, everybody's going to be horny. There's going to be booze. There's going to be some bare shoulders. I mean, it's Aaron this Spelling. One was accept- this one was exceptionally horny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so – now, this is a revisit to this movie. I did it during the first year of the show, and I just it's so bonkers that I get a kick out of talking about this one because I said, if you're going to see like one made-for-TV movie, see the one that's batshit crazy. True. Because <laughs> this one is bananas. It makes no sense, and I love it. <laughs> but the cast is great. I mean, why, 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 why is Stella Stevens ever getting on a boat again after the Poseidon <laughs> Adventure? It's totally beyond me. That's a good question. Nathan. Yes, Mrs. We'll probably be running into each other quite a bit on this trip. 
So I'd like to get one thing straight right from the start. I am not Mrs. I have been un now for three weeks, five days, several hours, and I'm beginning to like the idea. Oh, then I call you un <laughs> Right. And Nathan, since you are the social director, you be sure and direct some social my way. Ah, uh, you un That'd be easy. <laughs> She's learned nothing. No. Learn, uh, you know, actually, I take that back. She has learned something. Wear flats. It's true. Or she True. could. That's what got her. She could be an amnesiac. It's a real condition. Mm-hmm. That's a tr- <laughs> I know. I learned that watching to made for TV movies. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Okay, hold on a second. There's somebody. Somebody's knocking at the door. Hello. Hello. Is it Edgar Allan Poe? Could be a bird. <laughs> it could be a bird. A bird dressed like Edgar Allan Poe. Nevermore. <laughs> this is when we hear Patrick die, and then <laughs> right, yeah. and then we're left with the evidence, and then we say, "What? Are, yeah, oh yeah, we better download these files." <laughs> oh yeah, b- boot in. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna jack into the system. I'm gonna jack it and, and t- hack into his camera so I can see him get murdered. <laughs> click, 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 click. Oh no! And then you pause, zoom in. <laughs> yeah, enhance. Enhance, yeah. <laughs> How do they always make the picture that much better? I've never understood. I mean, it's high tech, man. It is high tech. That's true. It's CSI, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was the police. Oh, did they discover us? The or police. Some, somebody. Apparently, somebody <laughs> called the police on me. For something. Wow. So like, they said there was signs of, they heard a violent argument going on in here. <laughs> they called the police? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at my cat right now going, what did you do, bitch? I know I didn't <laughs> feed you on time. <laughs> Maybe they overheard Susan Day George and uh, Christopher George fighting. <laughs> Maybe I guess. Oh, yes, yes. That's right. We have we have the Georges in this movie. I love the Georges. The acclaimed Georges, perfect angel. Love uh-huh. them. Do you really like it? I wanted to surprise you with something different. You're always surprising me with something different, and I love it. I've waited so long to get you out of that office and onto this cruise. Hey, what's wrong? Oh, I don't know. I just suddenly thought of that little girl out there. And she could have been killed. Hey, she's all right. She's all right. Listen, why don't you go back in there and make another spectacular entrance? And then we'll uh, see where we can progress from there. Well, how about if I don't make another spectacular entrance and we see where we can progress from here? American royalty, baby. I, I just think it's adorable, too, that they work together so much. Because normally, I mean, I come from a theater background, and I know when normally when people, when you have the married couple that works together, one is really good, and the other one, you're like, oh, God. <laughs> Why do I have to work with this person? I love them, too. And they they're, they're, they're get to chew the scenery. What I think is amazing is that Boat was able to stay afloat with Don Forsyth. The way he was chewing the scenery, I thought the boat would sink on its own. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that tomb contains something evil, something waiting for the next millennium. And we will be responsible for letting it loose on the world. 
Charlie. Yeah, he was having a good time. <laughs> I was and he, between him and Ray Meland. This is late career cranky Ray Meland, which I love. Like, like, like from the I, I, I won. I won the Oscar. I won the Oscar for Lost Weekend, but then I had my head sewn onto Rosie Graham, <laughs> and everything has been bleak since then. <laughs> he has the same speech pattern as Betty Davis, which I realized watching it this time. <laughs> Wait, that's true. Which one was he? <laughs> the, uh, the, the archaeologist. Oh. The one who talked like Betty Davis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He did talk like Betty Davis. I wish it was Betty Davis. Uh-huh. Some years ago in Egypt, I found a piece of ancient papyrus which revealed that Cleopatra Selenus ordered a tomb built where the sun hits the sea. Now, my calculations prove that that tomb is on the island of Cozumel in Mexico, and I shall prove everything when I find that tomb. <laughs> I've never seen him in the same movie. There you go. <laughs> Late breaking news here on Scream Queens. <laughs> Lee Merriweather was in this. I was ecstatic to see Lee Merriweather, one of my favorite. Oh my men. God, Lee, Lee yeah. as Lil, as Lil, as Lil, the light, the truth, and the reason to watch this movie. Honestly, <laughs> and she has like a feminist monologue in this film that I was just living for. I loved it. I love her. What's wrong, Lil? Nothing, Charles. Nothing that hasn't been wrong for the past 22 years of our holy marriage. Oh, Lil, pray with me now. Oh, pray with me. Pray. My whole life has been a prayer. One long, unanswered prayer. So many years. I've prayed that you would notice me as a woman. That you would care for me. Those women up there, I called them sinners, but what I really wanted was to be like them. You don't know what you're saying. To be touched, caressed, to be made love to. Yes. To be made love to, even in lust, is better than never being loved at all. Phil, you're wrong. I love you. How could you? You're too much in love with your suffering, your torment, your need to be holy. Well, you go on, Charles, and pray. Pray for the strength to fight your devil. Come on, pray. And I'll pray for what I need. But when she's not, when she's not <laughs> looking in the mirror and touching her decolletage, which she does ninety yes. percent of the time. Yes. <laughs> She's like, listen, preacher man, I just want to feel something. Oh. I want to feel what it's like to make love. Oh. So yeah. good. <laughs> so yeah. And then so, yeah, preacher's wife shacks up with the devil's guardian himself. What the hell? Good for her. Oh, spoiler, way ahead of ourselves. But yes, <laughs> basically what's happened is there's this cruise that's supposed to be going out, but they're overbooked. So they have to dump all these extra passengers who won't fit on the gigantic cruise ship onto this tugboat into terror. How do they determine who ends <laughs> up on the annex cruise? I don't know. I don't know. I think these people suck. Just get them off the boat. Yeah. <laughs> like we're overbuffed. <laughs> Fuck these people. Or, or it was an RSVB cruise and they're like, um, <laughs> these people don't fit. Oh, or like, like, like the airlines, they didn't check in on time and then they got downgraded to the D boarding group. We, you are not letting Debbie on this boat. Are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> Poor Debbie. Poor Debbie. 
Poor Debbie. The only thing she did wrong was to wear glasses on TV in the 1970s, which makes you immediately hideous. <laughs> oh, but her look was spectacular. So fake Margot Kidder? Oh. Yeah, she's fake Margot Kidder for this movie, which you probably couldn't tell through the blur. <laughs> no, I couldn't. <laughs> through the extra Vaseline that they put on the lens, especially for you, so everyone looked extra young. <laughs> yeah, it was RuPaul season one all over again. Oh, yes, indeed. Oh, my gosh, an overlet. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's all true. So this this workship has to take these people to Cozumel to meet their – legally, I don't think that any of this is possible. No, no. Nobody would have agreed to this because this is this is a real shit st- stick. They're getting sticked with – it's st- not a good deal. No, no, no. <laughs> the cruise line was truly operated by Amway for the, for the most part, yeah. And the devil apparently. <laughs> and the devil. Well, Amway. Because – well, because Listen. there's that guy, there's that guy at the beginning who tells him, you know, you have to take these people. And then he's on the phone like, yes, it's all been arranged. God help yeah. us all. Was and then he, he gets crushed. He was, was probably he on the phone. To the devil? I think he was talking to Mr. Lazarus. Who was wow. that? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody just looked like Slender Man. You know what I mean? Like there were just, <laughs> there were no faces. I remember hearing names. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mr. Lazarus was the guy who um, is the devil's guardian. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the guy that she fucked. Yeah. Yeah, because as soon as he hangs up the phone, he's like, he hangs up the oh. phone, he's like, God help us all, and immediately gets crushed to death by cardboard boxes. Yeah, I love <laughs> the death, death by cardboard box, the most deadly object <laughs> in the workplace. Clearly empty cardboard boxes. Well, you know, it was the 1970s, and they back in the day <laughs> – it was much heavier than it was now. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. They had to adjust for inflation. You know, we didn't, and we didn't care about the trees then. <laughs> no, it's a whole, whole forest in one box. Yeah. So these people are getting on the boat, and you're right. They're like the horniest people. Those two girls have Judy, Judy and Marilyn. <laughs> it's it's Judy and Debbie. No, Le- uh, no, Li- no Linda Day. Marilyn? Linda Day George calls Debbie Marilyn at one point because she's so boring. Nobody can remember her name. Oh, well, but see, Debbie I is lit- the name. <laughs> it's the wrong name. And you see, and I've got the wrong name too for you. So it works out perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> it's the universe getting everything back into balance, back into <laughs> balance. Uh, yeah, she's got some lines that were borderline. You can't say that on TV. Good morning, ladies. You must be uh... Judy Haynes. Hi, Hello, Debbie Porter. Welcome to the OPM. I'm Simon McLean, first officer, pharmacist mate, and chief mechanic at your service. Hmm. Does that include room service? <laughs> well, that depends on whose room and what kind of service. <laughs> the one that really got me was when she's first getting on the boat. And that guy who was the, the, the deckhand or whatever you want to call it, he used to be on Battlestar Galactica, so I'm only going to refer to him as Starbuck. Oh, yeah. yeah he was like on the original shitty Battlestar Galactica. Oh. And, um... Yeah, he gets in the boat and he's like, well, maybe we could go uh, show you to your cabin so you can freshen up. She's like, freshen up what? <laughs> yeah. And Stella Stevens is a new divorcee and she is horny. She really is. Stella Stevens, she is fantastic in this film. Did she come with the cat? Who brought the cat? It's the ship's cat. It's the ship's cat. It's the ship's cat. Yeah. But then at the end, she's holding the cat. But then also Judy, or no, glasses? Yeah, like Judy- Debbie. Debbie Marilyn also had the well, cat. Well, I think I was just trying to play. I was trying to make a cat genealogy as I was. Well, it's the, well, you know, it's traditional to have a ship's cat, ship cat, like theater cat. They they catch rats and mice. That's why you have one. Wait, like how the firemen have Dalmatians? Exactly, exactly. Every ship oh. has a cat. It's, 
is supposed to have a cat and every theater is supposed to have a cat. Just helps keep the – it's tradition. That's why that guy said – the guy from um, Magnum P.I. who was the other stagehand, Nathaniel? Whoever. doesn't matter. When he's talking to Stella Stevens – Name's Karina, missus, but I call her the old sourpuss. <laughs> oh, she's sweet. Does she belong to the ship? Oh, no, mom. More like the ship belonged to her, missus. In fact, I think she's looking for somebody. <laughs> Isn't everyone – Actually, the ship belongs to her. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. But <laughs> I love that the cat was there because they didn't really do a good job of this. They didn't really good do, do a good job of anything, to be perfectly honest. But the way that the cat was immediately in sync with the Egyptian evil as soon as it got on board, being that cats were worshipped as gods in Egypt, of course she's going to be like, my people are back. <laughs> oh, yeah. She put up her Bastet poster. And <laughs> she sure did. <laughs> I like it when the footage, it's like the cat is sitting there and what you see is the cat going meow, meow, meow. And the soundtrack is like. Well, I'm sorry. No. Okay. Since we're, since we're here. Since we're here. Debbie, Debbie, is, Debbie is. The, <laughs> Debbie is the downer of the group. Like She comes with Judy. Judy's like the hot popular one. She's like the one. Debbie's the one who paid for the trip, basically. And. Debbie's boring. Oh, yeah. No one's having, and I'm not having any fun. <laughs> right. All these people are just sitting around the lounge, and Debbie's reading the Brothers Karamazov on the deck at night in the dark. <laughs> but no, Debbie has that encounter with the cat on the deck, and it's this total overreaction. <laughs> Why did she bring Tolstoy onto a boat with her? Because she wears glasses in a 1970s movie, which means, A, she's the elephant man ugly, and she's really smart. <laughs> This all tracks. Exactly. It's like this one prop changes your whole character. (laughs) 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 No, the cat shows up and like she just loses her goddamn mind. Red eyes are in every goddamn made-for-TV movie. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That I was, I was fascinated by that sequence when she went outside. One, because she's dressed like Where's Waldo. Totally right? Where's Waldo. Two, it's Where's Waldo meets a cat meets the Mothman, like, all in one scene. <laughs> and I was like, what spectacular experience am I being treated to right now? Because <laughs> I can't laid- see it. So. I can't see it, but I'm I, I'm I'm sure it's tantalizing it. underneath. Yeah. She did get she got pretty excited, but I guess if I saw, I mean it was a little Amityville horror too. The, the cat meowed at her and she fell off the boat. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the, that was very like uh, uh, Jody, the Jody yeah. eyes, huh? Yeah. yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, very Jody eyes. Yes. Yeah, I do like that. It's, it's one of the most people like, oh, it's such a scary sequence. I'm like, nothing happens. The cat didn't do anything. It just meowed her and the girl lost her mind. <laughs> and like, Stacy, you're on to something. Like, was that not just someone making horrible cat sounds? <laughs> like, I have never heard that sound ever oh, before. Oh, oh, Anthony, Anthony, Anthony. That's the other fun thing about these things. Like I said, they don't like to spend money. On these movies. If you ever watch Crowhaven Farm with uh, Hope Lang, that's one of the good ones. It's an early one. It's a good one. There's a scene where she's walking through her, whatever, some forest or something. And there's the wind. There's the wind sound effect. And after a while, I started to realize that's not really a sound effect. That's someone 
literally with their face in the microphone going. Oh my God, Madonna does that on her new album. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow, you guys are cheap. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> It's those little treats. And then you'll be like, and then she walks into the cave and you're like, this is Batman's cave. <laughs> this is the same session. This is where they shot. This is the entrance to the Batman, the Batcave. <laughs> you know, I'm a DIY queen. I respect that. I respect that. Uh-huh. Make it work. You got it. Use it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You, these people are going to see these things once before we rebroadcast them in four years. They won't remember. Right. Exactly. <laughs> there will never be a format where they can watch these things anytime they want. <laughs> Don't want to watch this thing again anyway. Yeah, so while they're on this out on this trip, all these things are going wrong. Like the boat shouldn't be out anyway because there's technical problems with it, and there's a storm coming, and there's a shark, and there's all this stuff. But on the boat is this Egyptologist, Ray Milan. And I love also this is a 1970s thing. There's like there always has some scientist, and everybody would know who they was. It'd be like the world's most famous archaeologist. Like, oh, yes, I know him. Why? Yeah. Why do yeah. you know this person? <laughs> yeah, everybody's read everything he's written. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, when they're not reading Tolstoy, they're reading his archaeological That's, theses. Um, Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky. Thank you, Stacy. You're my <laughs> you're my dramaturg of honesty. I hate that word. It sounds gross. Dramaturg. <laughs> Honesty. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I, I did mean dramaturg, but I figured Tolstoy? the joke was better. What did Tolstoy write? And is Tolstoy in a Waldo outfit? Save it for the Tolstoy cast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he's he's got he's got this whole theory that um, he's he's on the on the on the hunt for this lost burial tomb. Of Egypt, but he's like, I don't think it's in Egypt. I think it's actually here in Mexico. And I think we're going to be passing right by it. Which he says, he says, because the thing is where sun meets sea. And I'm like, obviously that only happens in Mexico. And only once a day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, and Mexico is the place where actually the sun hits, actually physically hits the water and goes out. (laughs) The yeah. water puts the sun out for the night. Yeah. yeah, that's actually where it happens. It happens in Cozumel. Nobody knows that. It's yeah. a very little known and fact. And you have to shake the lighter the next morning. So what's the what's the deal with this tomb? Why is it so important? The devil. Because it's got the son of Satan in it. Mm-hmm. Because everyone mm-hmm. knows the Antichrist. Everybody knows. Is the Egyptian. Antichrist is Egyptian, buried in Mexico, duh. By Cleopatra? <laughs> By Cleopatra. By Cleopatra. <laughs> I'm sorry, can you not read basic hieroglyphics? Hello. <laughs> Come on, he had charts. Hello. Because everybody else in this movie could. Everyone <laughs> knows. <laughs> fucking, fucking that reverend, uh, John Forsyth, is uh, Reverend Exposition, and it, as I like to call him. At no point does he say, hello, angels, and I was so bummed. Um, yeah. He could have yeah, said that yeah. when he, like, if he, he laid down and it said was, a prayer, he could have said, hello, angels. Huh? Or when he was dying. Was he could have said, yeah. hello, I see angels. <laughs> <laughs> but he's pulling this backstory out of his ass. He's like pulling this, like the story of this, this, this tomb and the, the thing out of his ass. Like everybody knows it. Like it's in the Bible. I'm like, where are you getting this from? <laughs> yeah. He got, he got real aggro real quick. I know who's in that sarcophagus, Captain. It's him. It's the son of the evil one, the son of Satan. You expect us to believe that? You above all, Dr. McCroom. Now, your papyrus said that the child in that coffin was born in the year 1 AD. The 
same time, another child was born in Bethlehem. God sent his son to save the world. Who sent this one? Who do you think is in that sarcophagus? Then why don't we open it up and find it? No! No, no. No, listen. No. Look, in the key of Solomon, it's written, where 12 souls gather, the child of Satan shall be lifted from his bindings on Midsummer's Eve. One of those present is his guardian who will raise the child to adulthood. The others will suffer unbearable torment and death. Yeah. Real aggro, real things. Because it's like every, it's like it's every thousand years. That's a biblical millennium. I'm like, actually, that's a millennium. Millennium. That's basically a measure of what that is. It's not a biblical whatever. But yes, like every thousand years, every thousand years, someone has to inspect the tomb of the antichrist for something for what? I don't know. Roaches, bed bugs. I don't know what. Whatever. To expect a friend. <laughs> yeah, bed fire bed. hazards. Yeah, Airbnb. They have rules. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> And the last time this happened was when the Mayan civilization disappeared overnight. And it's time again. It's chilling. And all everything that's been happening on the boat is leading up to the, this is it's the second coming of the devil child and someone someone on board is the devil's keeper which we've actually already spoiled. But who could it be? They go for like they go for 5 seconds for an Agatha Christie who done it thing and then they drop it completely. Yeah. Bless their hearts. Reverend. If what you say is true then this guardian of Satan's child would have to be one of us. He is one of us. Yeah, I thought it was going to be more like a and then there were none kind of moment with like, they keep saying they're going to one by one, they're going to come for us. And it was like a deckhand. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And then uh, the decade, the decade, yeah, and then and the Ray Milan, right? And then the, and Ray Milan at the end. There's a fire, and the arc, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Well, I did enjoy that uh, they bring the sarcophagus on board, and what I love is they spend so much time talking about how gorgeous the sarcophagus is, and it is totally like a high school craft project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was nice. It was a Claire's sarcophagus. <laughs> you have these people like acting like it's heavy when they're carrying it. I'm like, that thing is three pounds. Tops soaking wet. No, tops. That's called, that's called good acting. Okay, <laughs> I know. There's. I said they were selling it. They were selling it. But I was like, bless your heart to the actors because this thing is ugly. It is. It's covered in precious jewels. I'm like, no, it's not. And it's not solid gold. It's none of those things. When the sarcophagus yeah. was having like moments, was it like pulsating or what was happening with that thing? It was breathing. It was breathing. Okay, yeah. Because mm-hmm. little little baby, this stuff in there was like. <clears throat> and they were wrong, by the way. I realized this time, it's not the son of Satan that's in there. Mm-hmm. Do you know who is buried in that sarcophagus that was buried at the bottom of the sea? Me? Annabelle. It's Annabelle! <laughs> Keep that saying. thing sits around and does nothing the whole movie. <laughs> it's Annabelle. That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I told you. I'm like, see, I'm gonna tie it into all your shit. I'll tie it into Midsummer. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, the other sarcophagus. I only buried in Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. 
And the other one is under this ballet school. Yeah. <laughs> Berlin. Yeah, the three mothers and their, their Egyptian children. And their breathing sarcophagus. <laughs> Slash fashion doll. And just like in Midsummer, there's a communal breathing. So, you know, there's a, yeah. there's a whole breathing yeah, thing. So it's it totally the same movie. It all comes together. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like the, the the sarcophagus and what's in it isn't a threat, but apparently what is the threat is that it's bringing out everybody's worst qualities. Yes. Well, in the case of Lee Merriweather, the best qualities. <laughs> oh, oh man, she. <laughs> I saw I saw that homegirl come alive, man. It was she did. She, I've been praying my whole life. <laughs> it was beautiful. She says it. I'm like. And like she's praying for D. That's all she wants is some D. Yeah, Reverend Reverend. Because apparently they've been married for twenty two years. Yet they've never had sex all this time. Never. I He's been it. busy. Yeah. You married you married Catwoman and you dress her like an Amish reject and you. I'm sorry. You you hire Catwoman and dress her like that. It's true. She had to bonnet it's on at one point. It was terrible. Yeah, I was like that bonnet. That bonnet was too much. I was like, that is. I'm like, also, why? Why you? Why did you book a cruise ship to Mexico? Everyone knows when it's time for a cruise, you pack your Dostoyevsky, you pack your fashion bonnet. <laughs> and for people going to Mexico, they were all wearing like lots of heavy sweaters and shit. I'm like, where, 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 where are you going? It was a really specific season for the Sears catalog that year. Oh, it's because they're going there after the sun hits the sea and it's cold. Yeah, it gets cold. <laughs> okay. It gets chilly because the sun is exterminated and the earth will freeze. This is actually a uh, film about climate change. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was a warning. We didn't listen. We didn't listen, just like Al Gore. And now I'm sweating to death in my bedroom. So yep, there you go. I mean, in my sound studio, <laughs> being threatened by the police, by the popo at the door. <laughs> yeah, no, she. I love. I love everything that Lee Weather does in this movie. It's, it's, she's just so repressed and wonderful, and she touching her decolletage, always in the goddamn mirror, touching her boobs. <laughs> yeah, when he, when the Reverend walks in, and she's just like staring open, open eyed into the mirror, mm-hmm. just like caressing the collarbone. <laughs> That's how every time Jason walks into a room and finds me. Ah, uh, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's good. Wow. Well, I hope we don't end up the same way. Because really, I just hope, I just wish that she would just, you know, ditch him, hook up with Debbie, and then just catch a passing Olivia cruise ship and <laughs> les out for the rest of their lives. That's you know, I probably will end up on fire with a cat and a sarcophagus. <laughs> it just would make sense <laughs> at this point. <laughs> And no one will be surprised to be like, we always knew he'd go out this way. <laughs> everyone, everyone saw it coming. Yep. Just, just try to keep all those elements separate. Just try to keep them separate. <laughs> only have one, yeah. only have two of the three with you at any time and you should be fine. Sarcophagus <laughs> and fire, fine. Yeah. Cat and fire, fine. Just not together. <laughs> now that shark, I have a question about this shark. Oh sequence. God, the shark. Yes. Uh-huh. Which it's the cutest, tiniest shark I've ever seen. It's, it's exactly. It's like a nurse shark. <laughs> it's it's like the exact shark that they have at the Universal Studios trolley ride. <laughs> the one that in the picture in the flyer they always show you this giant shark as big as a trolley. But then when you get there, you just see a little like guppy that uh-huh. swims backward because it has to reset on the track. Oh, but this shark in this film, it comes after them. There's a, an amazing amount of to do as. Yeah, as everyone everyone says, get out of the water, and then the boat crew responds by jumping in the water. Yes, mm-hmm. and then the shark comes after them. How did they stop the shark? I saw a hand like they they did a halt, international sign of halt. And oh, 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 Mister Lazarus turned it away. 
Oh, with his devil power. With his devil power. Yeah, we didn't know that oh. yet. Yeah, you didn't know that then. He was like, I didn't put. He's like, excuse me, excuse me. Apparently, you don't know who I am. Maybe, maybe you're watching. Maybe you're watching the grainy print that everyone else is watching, and you can't see my face right now. But you cannot be bothering me. I've got bigger business than you right now, Mister Shark. Shark, who is nowhere near anyone in this movie. Yeah. I was wondering. I was wondering if um if Lee Merriweather gave him the bat shark repellent from the Batman movie. Oh, maybe you never know. You never know. Well, she wasn't going near the water. She's Catwoman. No, no, she doesn't do that. No. No, that would require a swimsuit, and that's sinful. So, <laughs> it's true. There's so much swimming. They go. They're swimming for this buried treasure forever. It it it's a, literally an entire act of the film. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the thing with these movies. They're only like when you watch them start to finish. They're an hour and ten minutes long. Yet they are so goddamn slow. <laughs> <laughs> well, but also taking into account like the low budget of a lot of these uh, made-for-TV films, I was surprised to see such extended underwater sequences because that's a lot of work. Yeah, it's true. It's mm-hmm. true. I, I don't know what was filming at the time, but apparently they had a lot of that crew on hand. Yeah. And we just brought the show to a screeching halt. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> like, I could just talk about Lee Merriweather for days, but. <laughs> oh, perfect. Oh, I love her. I love when she gets possessed. After she has sex, she immediately gets possessed. <laughs> no, my No. Well, that's what happens. You get a taste that's of the devil's happens. D. That's what happens. That's you get, it's, what a, happens. it's like an STD from the devil. All of a sudden, na ma may too, which I'm sure means absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they didn't offer a translation. None of these people who speak perfect Egyptian normally, apparently. <laughs> Listen, I did not know that all I wanted in this life was to see Lee Merriweather chanting Egyptian and strangling a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing this movie known. needs. It truly <clears throat> loop that for an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Take back that power, girl. He ain't good for you. And he's he's awful, too. He manages to make everything about him the whole movie. Yeah. This is true. I was talking to the captain about Debbie. Poor little thing. She's been through quite an ordeal. I believe I'll talk to her tomorrow. She seems like a lonely little soul. Yes, by all means, Charles. Counsel the lonely. I know how you feel. Do you? Yes, I do. You think it's my penance, my punishment. Those years I spent worshipping the bottle. But it's over, Lil. It's over. With this journey, the Lord's given me another chance. This journey? This obsession? No, it's his call, God's call. Don't you see that? Is it, Charles? Well, he didn't call me. Total father patriarchy. <laughs> yeah, he was a monster. Yeah, he's, he's like the closest thing to a hero because uh, the other big star of this movie, I don't know if you caught this, is well, because the print was so bad, was Michael Landon's wig <laughs> <laughs> on Captain Andy. 
It's <laughs> funny. I'm like, it's the same goddamn hair. It's totally plastic, and it's the same goddamn hair. <laughs> See, there could have been a crossover there with Charlie's Angels. He could have looked at Michael Landon's wig. Michael Landon, stairway to, what was it? Stairway to have um, Well, this would have been, yeah, this would have been Little House at the time, but... Oh, well, he could have gone into the future and said, hello, angel, Michael Landon. Hmm. I mean, this also, you know, John Forsyth is also Blake Carrington from Dynasty. So you easily could have had a Dynasty crossover and we could have had Joan Collins on this ship. Oh, my God, don't tease me. Was Dynasty on in 1978? Um, I don't think so, because Dallas, I don't think so. Dallas I think this started pretty, in yeah. 78 and I think Dynasty came along in like maybe 79 or Yeah, 80. that's more 80s, but... but- yeah. Oh, I just broke my headphones. Okay. Yeah. And we're back. Yeah. No, that way. This is all I could watch this time around was that wig. I don't know why I never caught it before. I'm like that. Once you, it's like Jamie Lee Curtis's wig in Halloween too. Once you see it, you just can't stop obsessing over it. Oh. <laughs> I love a wig. Like, where is it now? Where is it now? Like I had just forgotten about Jamie Lee Curtis's wig and all of a sudden it popped up on Julia Roberts in that one movie. <laughs> like I, Valentine's Day or something. <laughs> I hope they bring back that wig for the new Halloween they should. He's actually not stalking Jamie Lee Curtis. He's stalking her wig. Yeah, he's after the wig. <laughs> he got his mask back. Now he needs the wig. And then in uh-huh. the, the next one, he'll get the silver shamrock costumes. Oh, okay. Okay. That'll teach him. Yeah. That'll teach him. Yeah. I'm not even sure how you would gay this movie up. Like, I mean, where's the gay here? Joan Collins would be the uh, would be an amazing way, like Stacey said. <laughs> Well, she's an amazing addition to anything. That's just a given. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Inside the sarcophagus is Joan Collins for absolutely no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Her shoulder pads are all scrunchy from having <laughs> balled up in there. I mean, you could say that glasses, the bookworm, <clears throat> is, uh, you know, not into partying and everything because she's in love with her friend that she pays for and takes everywhere. Will you get dressed? No. You go ahead. I'll be fine right here. You know, you're taking this whole thing much too personally. And that's ridiculous. How am I supposed to take it? Twice. I almost got killed twice. And we've only been out for two days. Well, you know, we were all in the water together. Debbie, I'm going to start feeling guilty if I go up to the salon and leave you sitting here alone. No, no, no. You go ahead. At least one of us should have some fun. Well, now I am feeling guilty. You paid for my cruise and I'm the only one having any fun. Lesbians yeah. do dress up like Waldo. They do dress like it. Waldo. They do prefer reading to mirth and merriment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because someone might start singing or something. <laughs> you know how lesbians hate communal singing. <laughs> they do. I'm looking at you. <laughs> I hate all forms. No, I'm of- just. Oh yes. <laughs> Well, now I'm just thinking about how when I'm at home, honestly, I spend most of my time telling Jason and Maddie to be quiet while I read, and I'm also dressed like Waldo. Yeah, well. (laughs) I might be a lesbian. I might be a lesbian. And that's why you're the the terror of the conservative Christian scene right now. (laughs) It is true. 
<laughs> no more reading Waldos in our America. <laughs> we don't know what what that person is anymore. He looks, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's, it's drag. It's drag, but he's a lesbian. And I don't know what he is. <laughs> <laughs> That's my artist statement. I I think glasses glasses could absolutely be a, the sullen gay of the boat, the sullen boat gay. If every ship has a cat, then there's also a sullen boat. She gay. did wind up with the cat. She was holding that cat. So. She was holding that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But also, we have some deep femme icons with Linda Day George with Stella Steven, Lee Merriweather. Um, I think I guess Lazarus could have opened his shirt a little bit more, maybe. Yeah, he, he, he like he's the dead weight in this story, unfortunately, and he's a Broadway actor. He was big at the time, but it's like he did nothing with this, and I think it's the script too. Like it gave him nothing to do. You don't know what you're doing. You got to fight this evil within you. Fighting. It. It's not evil. It's human. I'm human. All those years, didn't I know you? No, you never did. Are you the one? Are you the guardian? No, Reverend. She's not the guardian. Her name is Lil. She's what she says. Human. Human feelings and emotions. You never knew her, Reverend. You were too busy with your holy mission. You'll never know what you missed. Too bad. She's really quite a woman. You. You're. You're Satan's guardian. Am I? Does he even exist? You'll never know, Reverend. That takes more faith than you'll ever have. Yeah. Uh, there's subtle, there's subtle stuff like, um, which you might not catch the first time through. Like whenever somebody is, you know, getting upset with somebody else, it's always him that pops up and starts whispering in their ear. Interesting. Yeah, he's the one who gets in Christopher George's ear. Whenever he starts to start listening to his wife, he's like, um, "Why don't we do this instead?" Because mm. the whole thing with like the Georges is that. Um, Christopher George is some kind of business person and this is their first vacation in forever and it's supposed to they could find each other again and blah, blah, blah. Listen, we haven't had a vacation together in a long time. Forget about what's going on back home. If I could forget about what's going on at home, I wouldn't be thinking about it, right? Look, give me a little longer to unwind. Yeah. I've been giving you a little longer to unwind, Neil, for a long time now. It just seems like you have time for everything but me. He gets obsessed with the sarcophagus that's this geological find, and they're going to make all this money off of it. And he becomes Mr. Greed Monster. And, and whenever he starts backing off from that, and Mr. Lazarus is right there like, but it's not enough to make it that interesting. But I, we have we have a TV rape. We sort do. of. Yeah. I heard those words, and it wasn't her. It was something else. What? A ghost? Evil spirits? That nonsense man has been talking about is nothing but old man's drivel. This isn't a joke. A million dollars is never a joke. And that's what that coffin is worth to each of us. Look, I've been going over Bakun's boats. And that sarcophagus is priceless. And I'm going to see that he gets back to the States and sold. Neil, forget about that coffin. 
We came on this cruise to be happy again. Happy? And how do you plan to work that miracle? We're a little old to find happiness on a beach in some sleeping bags like a couple of hippies. Happiness has a price tag, Sandra. It costs money. We have all the money we need. Nobody has all the money they need. that keeps you away for 16 hours a day. And the business trips for weeks on end. Poor, poor neglected Sandra. Still acting like a teenager. Now when are you gonna grow up and face the real world? What's happening to us? All I ever wanted was for us to love each other. Love? Want to know what love is? Well, I'll show you what love is. That's the, it's, the that's the pull quote <laughs> on, the, on the box. We have a TV rape. <laughs> the Georges do have some great scenes together. Oh, I just love them. Mm-hmm. I do too. I do too. Were and they contractually? Was that a thing they had to do everything together? No, because he did stuff without her. She did stuff without him. But whenever they work together, it's always dynamite. Yeah. Even when it's shit, like pieces, which is brilliant shit. Yeah. Oh, it's only the finest shit. Because <laughs> she was the one point, she's like, all I wanted for us on this cruise was to become happy and for me to become a detective who's pretending to be a tennis pro after I really was a tennis pro. <laughs> See, that would be a killer crossover. That's all I want. <laughs> pieces two on a boat. Maybe it's their two characters from pieces and they got married <gasps> afterwards. You don't know. There you go. That's the, this is actually a prequel. Yeah. Yeah. They have a big argument and he's like, well, I'll show you what this is all about. And he throws her on the bed. And then you sit there for like two minutes waiting for something to happen. She's looking at him like, uh, the script says you rape me now. Are you going to get on with this? It's not just terrible. It's a stupid scene. <laughs> <laughs> a, I, you know, I think it's, it's enough. And then later he's like, I'm sorry I did that. And she's like, okay. She's like, she's like, all right, whatever. That's the least you can always say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry I did that. Sorry. But this is one of those movies. There's like with these TV movies, like a lot of them, people don't remember, like regular people don't remember what it was called. But there's always something that like, there's always one thing that identifies them. And breathing sarcophagus is the thing that people always remember from this one. Oh, oh, like me and that Meredith Baxter Bernie one where I'm like the one where she eats the cake and it falls off the counter. <laughs> oh, that makes me sad. It falls into the trash and then she keeps eating it because, well. Oh, good girl. Add a girl. It's a dark story. Is that the one where she was like the binge and purger? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like yeah. Kate's secret or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I'm sorry, Kate. Your secret, your secret is that you ate a cake out of the garbage. You're a nasty girl. For <laughs> <laughs> cake or bulimia or whatever that is, you're just nasty. <laughs> I have eaten cake out of the garbage. Just, <laughs> just to share that. I just, you know, I like to start all. That's my poll quote. That's my poll quote. All, right the, all podcasts I do, I like to reveal that. And and video dating services. I, I ate that. cake out of the garbage. Raves. Anthony Hudson. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
touch any of the other garbage. Right? If you eat the parts yeah. that don't touch the garbage. Yeah, just the parts that have I mean the fumes would still like get on it, but I guess. No. Frosting Ew. creates a fine armor. Off-putting like a Kardashian right there. <laughs> See, like a Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Um, in this economy, you have to eat whatever cake you can find, okay? Yeah. There are kids in China who don't have any cake at all. Yeah, yeah garbage right. or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was very upset, too, that – well, there's a big fire at the end because these things – the Satan things always end with fire in TV movies. Yeah. Well, hell. It's the way know. to get – Oh, well, you know, it's the way to get it's the way to get rid of the whole cast really quickly yeah. <laughs> and on a budget. Oh, yeah. Everyone just burns. Anything with devil thing ends in fire. Like, um, you know, like, for instance. So I don't know. The initiation of Sarah. Yeah. That model or uh, Satan school for girls. Yeah. Everything always burns to the ground. That's how you get rid of all the Satanists. Yeah. That miniature and garden so- maze burnt down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some of the people have converted over to, you know, start following Mr. Lazarus. Some of them don't, and most of them burn up. And I was very pissed off that in this final battle between John Forsyth and, and Mr. Lazarus, that you know, John Forsyth comes in with these oil lamps that they had in their room for some reason and sets the sarcophagus on fire and everything's burning. And freaking Lil's like, I'm going to stay with you. Yeah, that was a I bummer. know. No, girl. No, no. Plus, that polyester nightgown ain't going to burn for nothing. (laughs) Yeah, that was sad. But I mean, at least it's like, you know, a captain with his ship. At least she went down with the good D. Oh, the captain didn't go down with the ship. No, sir. He went down on Stella Stevens. That's what he did. I I love that he's just like, I'm out. But she she went down with the ship. And that was, you know, Uh at least at least she is having a great time in hell. I was upset. That uh, Reverend McDrunkles just goes and throws the oil lamp directly at the cat, <laughs> yeah. which the cat proceeds to explode. Luckily, we see that the cat is fine as uh, um, Stella Stevens carries her on the life yeah. raft at the end. Uh-huh. Fool. <laughs> the cat clearly evil. We save the cat. I was so excited for this one scene where the two girls are on deck with the flare gun. Mm-hmm. trying to get the attention of anybody passing ship. And Judy's firing off the flare gun, hands it off to Debbie. And Debbie's like, I can't, you have to stay with me because I'm scared. And Judy loses her mind. I can't stay out here alone. I'm scared, Judy. I don't care if you're scared. You're always scared. Well, I am sick of it and I'm sick of you. Judy, don't say that. Please. Why? Can't you stand the truth? What are you talking about? I am talking about always following me around, bribing me with trips and cruises. Well, I don't rub off. So why don't you just accept who and what you are? What am I? I don't know and I don't care, but you're not me. And I am sick to death of trying to help you become something you're not. Now leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, Debbie, like, you're always scared. You're following me around and I don't rub off that kind of thing. I was like, shoot her with that flare gun. You don't hand somebody a flare gun and then tell them off. That's a bad <laughs> idea, Judy. <clears throat> bad true. idea. Yeah. I was so excited. I'm like, oh, shoot her. Shoot her right in the face. I was hoping it was going to be that kind of a movie, but it's not, unfortunately. No, no. We don't have the budget for that. No. <laughs> Plus, she was in love with her, you know, so. Yeah, there we go. I know. 
But when the devil's on board, your worst habits come out. And if I can't have you, no one can, Judy. <laughs> mm, that's true. Hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, what was, was, what was, was her hoping... bad impulse? It's like she got all zonked out at the end and was in the room with the sarcophagus, but she didn't really do anything. No, well, I mean, the only thing that she did was tell her friend off, which was the truth. No, I mean, maybe, glasses. Maybe oh, she well, no, stopped no, she, Oh, right <laughs> after that scene. Right after, right after that scene. Right after that scene that I just talked about. When Judy storms off and leaves her alone on the deck and she's terrified, who's standing right behind her? Mr. Lazarus. Judy, don't go, please! Right. It's like, it's okay. I'll protect you. Right. Nothing bad's going to happen when I'm here. <laughs> yeah. So she's under his sway. Yeah. But I mean, that didn't, she didn't have any evil impulses, even though she was under the sway. Whereas everybody else, you know, you've got some rape, you've got some telling off, you've got some sexy times, but glasses just uh, stopped reading. She dressed <laughs> like where's Waldo? She had evil and tendencies enough. Okay, they were out there for I everyone see. to see. Okay. <laughs> it was made for TV movie. There were tax dollars and public funds involved. The library slid some money under there, and this was part of the Reed campaign. <laughs> uh huh. You can learn hieroglyphics too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had they they had two branches. They had the Reed posters, and then they had this film. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here, watch this short hieroglyphics introduction film yeah. with John Forsythe. He'll show you how to do it. This was actually a PSA. It's all evil. <laughs> Signs of evil. Now, who was the who was was is Stella Stevens was the psychic? She kind of had. Well, like she a, decided that she could read minds like everybody could in the seventies because it was sexy. Yeah, like midway through, she has like a Theo in the haunting moment. Sometimes I know what people are thinking even before they know. You're some kind of a witch. Well, some people might pronounce it a bit differently. But like I said, I do read minds. Yours looks like some pretty heavy reading. <laughs> and I wasn't sure if that went anywhere, or if, that, if that was just applied. No, she's not. Scene. I mean, I don't, she's not psychic. She's just saying, like, I, I mean, she just was basically, I can tell there's, like, shit bothering you and you keep all this stuff bottled up. It's not psychic. You can read people. Yeah, I Anthony. Just, but then, yeah, I, I mean, know, they seemed like they made such a to-do about it, followed by the, the other woman saying, you some kind of a witch? <laughs> which, <laughs> which I love being asked at all my cocktail parties on boats. <laughs> and the answer is, I'm all kinds of witch. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah Stella Stevens does get the big quote from the movie. A little rhyme for you to remember. When I was a little girl, my father taught me a poem. That there is a devil, there is no doubt. But is he trying to get in us, or trying to get out? Let your devil out, Andy. Let him out. Oh yeah, let the devil out and let the devil in. Yeah, the devil exists, there is no doubt. But is he trying to get in us? Or trying to get out. Yeah. Yeah, that little... I liked that uh, that was a little... Uh, um, who's that guy? Who's the guy with the cat on the hat? Seuss. Dr. Seuss. <laughs> yeah. It's a little Dr. Seussy ending there. Mm-hmm. 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 
It was very Because that's very what the whole movie's about. The, 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 um, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh was well, Session 9. Without the eye stabbing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or me staring at my doorway at three in the morning in terror. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, scares me. I love that movie. Too. I saw that in the theaters with four different people. I mean, with, with four people with me. We came out with five completely different interpretations of the movie. Hmm. And none of them are right and none of them are wrong. But we talked for hours and I love that. Were you all traumatized? Yeah, for completely different reasons. We all had different ideas of what exactly went on. And yeah. it was I, I just love a movie that you can talk about forever and you don't forget about by the time the credits are rolling. The nun, I'm looking at you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I walked out. <laughs> I don't walk out of movies. I walked out of that one. It's so bad. Uh, I just said, I've seen this already. After a while, I'm just like, you just keep pulling the same tricks over and over. See, but <laughs> all if, these movies, it's the same movies with different costumes. If those nuns had a sarcophagus... In their convent. Hmm. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden they just <laughs> drop their drop their ropes to the ground and we're like, nah, maha made tomb. Nah, yeah. made tomb. And then they load up the cruise ship for the Rosie O'Donnell cruise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Down on the that Olivia cruise ship. They get right on. <laughs> and then Jason shows up on it. Yeah. See, why aren't they making Not that? your husband, the actual Jason. <laughs> Hollywood is remaking the wrong content. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like stop rebooting everything that we already love. Turn to the turn to the lesser works. Yeah. Thank you. The ones we fucked up the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Joan Collins. Joan Collins is still alive. You could still put Joan Collins in Cruise into Terror. H four O. It's still the biblical millennium. So. It is. Uh huh. <laughs> Someone has to inspect that sarcophagi. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch it. The thing that got me, I don't know how well you could see it, but the face on the sarcophagus was really small compared to everything else, and it made me giggle. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> it was way out of proportion. I'm like, and it's got this weird look on it. I don't whatever. It's just stupid. It's stupid. Anyway, <laughs> this movie's stupid. I love this movie, but whatever. It's it is what it is. This is a made-for-TV movie in a nutshell. And you never quite knew what to expect. And it was family time. Literally, everyone at school the next day would have seen it. And if you did not see it, you would not be cool. The amount of preparation that had to go in beforehand to make sure that your father wasn't going to be watching Quincy or some shit. (laughs) It was work. It was work, but it was worth it. It was worth it. Totally worth it. The shared communal experiences. It just sounds like a kinder time. I'm so sad I wasn't able to experience this. Yes, I wish I could have watched Lee burn to death with my family. Aww. It sounds so pastoral. <laughs> I remember that time. Yes. Cozy days. Yeah, I'm not excited. I, I guess about wrap up cruise into terror, I suppose. Um, um, thank you guys for joining me today. I'm a little off today. Well, the cops came. And I'm not apologizing. <laughs> well, the cops came. And also, it's one of my, my AIDS is flaring up days. Mm. I'm a long term survivor, and there are days when the medication just makes you builds up over time and just like I feel like garbage and this is one of those days mm. well and it's hot and it's hot and you know even without the hot it would be like this and I'm just having trouble concentrating and it's not you guys it's me but this is the way it is and that's also the way the potathon goes I've done like nine of these this week oh my gosh oh wow and it's hard to keep resolved you know we record once a week and whew, the amount of movies that we gotta watch for this thing I know I know uh, this is the thing this is why um, this cause co- like the cause is important to me yeah. These uh, uh, 
when I when I got sick and was getting better, I was very close to being homeless myself. And I know what a nightmare it is to navigate the system. And for these kids now and under this administration, and the fact that nobody talks about this problem, like the problem is massive. Oh yeah, epidemic proportion, and nobody yeah. really knows yeah, that. Yeah, they're only letting it. And people are like, well, why don't you just do, you know, just ask for donations? And I'm like, I don't know. That's not enough for me. I want to show something that hurts. Like I like, really show that I'm not just. I'm wearing a ribbon kind of a cause. Right. Anyway, I'm babbling. Okay, so where can people find, (laughs) where can people find out more about you and Gaylords of Darkness? Wow. Well, it's available anywhere you find a podcast, your iTunes, your, I don't know, other places, or just gaylordsofdarkness.com. Or, oh, we're on Twitter also at gaylordsofd. Yeah, Stacy got our our username. <laughs> That's the um, only one I could uh-huh. get. <laughs> I'm very grateful. It's Gaylords uh-huh. of D. We're also on Facebook uh, at Gaylords of Darkness. Uh, you can email us at Gaylords at Gaylords of Darkness dot um, Yeah. Otherwise, you know, anytime the clock strikes six six six, we will be right there. Nice talking about Suspiria for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> Absolutely. Because we can. Because we can. It's just us and Deborah Hill. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I'm sorry I pooped out here in the end. Oh, but thanks. This is the way it goes. Thanks for having me. us. No, it's no, been, thanks for having us. You don't understand. It's like an honor to have you guys on. Like, I adore your show. I talk to, I talk to your show when it's on. Like, I'm on it. I answer your questions. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can hear me. <laughs> How do you know? And you usually going? can, which is weird. You usually come up with the answer that I'm yelling at you. And you're like, what's the name of that movie? I'll be like, it's this movie. You're like, oh, they heard me. I'm really good at this. And I'm sorry I spent all this time talking, and at no point did I welcome you to my cyber world. Oh. <gasps> Here we, we hacked into the system, and you didn't even welcome me. And I didn't even point out the sumptuous buffet that I have spread out of toast and eggs. <laughs> And a chocolate weed juice fountain. Mm. Oh, thank you. I'm such a horrible host. (laughs) Well, just watch out for any cunning new landladies that show up. Yeah. Mm. Uh uh huh. (laughs) Check out their slippers before you do anything. (laughs) Yeah, that's the the answer to the whole riddle. Uh That movie was terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) I know we just wrapped up. I love it. I was just Bring watching eye murders. Eye murders. Eye murders. Like you talked about it on the show, and, and even though you talked about it, it's no preparation for actually watching it. No. <laughs> and then you no, watch the have... little the documentary that's attached to the DVD, and you're going, "What movie did you think you made?" <laughs> oh, the producers are so proud of it. The director is so proud of it. Well, that and guy who's know... the yeah. Sorry. Oh, well, we've had that that movie is one that our listeners always seek out because we speak about it so often. Um, But we constantly have to warn people. You don't understand. This is truly an atrocity and a curse that we're bringing upon ourselves for even sharing it with you. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those things that I know I'd say it's so bad. I have to see that. I know this is the kind of thing I'll eat up. And I did kind of eat it up because but at the same point, I'm going, what is anyone thinking? And that guy who's the director, he was on Buffy. Wait, was he? Yeah, that episode, um, he was Whistler on Buffy. It was one episode. Uh, it was the one, I think, where Angel became evil. Or, or, I, forget, I forget exactly which one it was. In the second season? Yeah, it was second season. Yeah. And he was like the narrator for one episode. He was like this weird yeah. demon who showed up and narrated the episode. Well, you the know, choices he, was that an, you make. He, he was an actor. He played um, 
inter interviewee on iMurders as well. I, well, that's why I recognize him. I'm like, oh, hey, that's that guy. And then in the DVD, I found uh, the extras. I'm like, oh, he directed this piece of shit too. Oh, I lost all respect yeah. for you. I thought you were great. I'm Buffy, but this is a garbage. And that hat goes with him wherever he goes. But you know what? If Without him, we wouldn't have Cyber Worlds or Velvet Planner. That's right. <laughs> who, who does not exist. <laughs> but no, she does now. She does. She does. You made her. We have. We and you wouldn't her. have made her without that movie. So Velvet Planner. I, I know. I know you combine the two. But <laughs> we believe in her. Her uh, Velvet Planner. Uh, Velvet. Whatever her name was. Velvet sixty nine. Or which is probably what it should have been. But <laughs> it's the internet. Velvet sixty nine. And whoever that other one was. Oh, Sassy yeah. Planner. Sassy Planner. Yeah. <laughs> they clearly got together and had a lesbian baby. Yeah. And that lesbian baby is Velvet Planner. Nobody knows what we're talking about, so we're going to wrap this shit up. Thank you very much, Anthony, for joining me. Thank you so much, Daisy, for joining me. I love you guys. I love your show. Thank you so much for helping out with the Podathon. Thank you so much for caring about the kids at New Alternatives and the homeless kids in general. And I got one more thing to say before you go. And you better listen up because I'm only going to say this once, okay? It's very important. Are you listening? Yeah. yeah. Happy Halloween! Wow, the intro was lame, the outro was lame. You guys are consistent. I, thought, I love you both. Uh, uh, I thought you were gonna hit stop. I wasn't I didn't know. <laughs> no, I wasn't gonna hit stop because now it was, this is wrap up now. I'm saying actually say oh, goodnight. Oh. Like, well, I made people. a ghoul sound. <laughs> the ghoul that goes, uh. yeah, it goes uh. <laughs> I Listen, gasped I saw, in fright. I saw some cake in my trash. And I was reaching <laughs> That's your name from now on. You're trash cake to me. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for putting up with all the technical problems and the police and my AIDS and all this shit. I can't. Well, thank you for having us. And with that, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, we must bid adieu to the gay lords of darkness. And I'm talking about Stacey Ponder and Anthony Hudson. Thank you both so much for joining me. I am honored to have you on my show. And if you're not listening to the to the gay lords of darkness, what is the matter with you? Get on the horse, man. Because in my humble opinion, they are the best horror podcast that's out there right now. They are funny. They are smart. They're insightful, and they deliver it all with like, no pretension whatsoever. There's never an ounce of hoity-toitiness to anything they deliver. That's what I think makes them really, really special. So go listen to the Gaylords of Darkness, right? But before you do that, if you haven't donated yet to the New Alternatives, please remember why we're doing all this. This is why I've lined up these brilliant, brilliant queer hosts for these final episodes to really bring home the bacon in these last few episodes to get us past that finish line of $4,000. We are just over $1,000 away from breaking that, that line, getting across that line, and I'm sure that we can do it, but I can't do it without you. I made this point last year there was when Kristen Petty from Killing Your Darlings let me use her audio from The Rainbow Connection on that episode, and everyone was really moved, and I you know, someday we'll find it, The Rainbow Connection, The Lovers, The Dreamers, and me. Well, these kids are waiting for their goddamn Rainbow Connection. Okay, but the rainbow connection is you. No one else is going to help them except you at this point. Don't wait for somebody else to pick up your slack. Do it yourself. 
I'm not asking for a lot. Like I said, a dollar goes a long way. There's no shame in giving just a dollar. If that's all you have, if that's all you can afford, I know it's the holiday season. It's hard. Money's tight. A dollar goes a long way. Of course, so does $50, so does $100. So whatever you can spare, please head on over to bit.ly slash sqpodna, or if you prefer Facebook, bit.ly slash sqpodfb, Scream Queens Podcast New Alternatives, or Scream Queens Podcast Facebook. The links are right there in the show notes. You've got no excuse, man. All you got takes one little poke of the finger, and you're in, and you're done, and you'll feel better about yourself. You'll be making this holiday season a lot brighter for some kids who really have seen enough shit for 12 lifetimes. Give them a break, throw them some cash, get them a hot meal, get them a bed for a few nights. Your money goes a long way. So please do that. So next time, and keeping in touch with the holiday season, we're going to be doing these a little softer, things a little more family friendly, doing things a little more family friendly. Smoochie is hissing at me right now because she doesn't like me talking on the microphone, but we're going to be covering the movie Paranorman. Yes, Paranorman, the animated film. And joining me will be everybody's favorite Freddy cat, Doug Shapiro. But before we go, I have some people to thank. I have to thank everybody at Squadcast for making remote interview sessions so much easier and sound so great and such a delight to edit. So if you're a podcaster and you're tired of shitty sound when you do interviews, why don't you check out Squadcast? Use that link in the show notes, bit.ly slash Flemsquad. Check that out, and if you use the code HOLIDAYS19, when you sign up, if you sign up, you get 50% off your first month. That's pretty cool, huh? And also everybody at Captivate FM, they are the Jedi Knights of the audio world and they make podcasts extremely easy. I Things have been so much easier since I switched to them as my podcast host that it's almost embarrassing. There's like 300 less steps that I have to do to get this show out to you than I had with my old podcast and it was podcast host and it's just a delight to work with them. Captivate FM, check them out. The link's down there as well. So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers continue to make the world a creepier place, but maybe a little less creepy for some kids who could really use a break and never, ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule, fight or flight, survive the night, make it to the final reel, baby! Yay! music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.